these tears for you. There's all dog around this mug. I'm good. <laughs>
And it's, it's very, very simple. The question is, are you convinced that the Saints have gotten better in 2023? Now, some people will probably say this, and they're probably saying to themselves right now as they're watching me, TJ, are you out of your freaking mind? Of course they got better. You know, you bring in Derek Carr, or you bring in uh, Cullen Saunders, or you bring in uh, so many other guys to help this team get better. So, of course, they've gotten better. But I, I think that we all can be, a, you know, all in agreement when it comes to accumulating this talent. Yes, they have gotten better. But we know if you've been watching football long enough or you've been watching organized sports long enough, you know that it, it takes more than just a bunch of guys coming together or a bunch of ladies coming together to win something. It, it, it involves chemistry. Uh, it involves coaching. It involves certain things uh, going your way, the break, so to speak. And you have a you have a large amount of Saints fans that aren't really fully bought in to this team, you know, and some people have given me, you know, uh, comments about the team like, yeah, I like the team, but I don't trust Dennis Allen. Yeah, I like the team, but injuries have plagued them throughout the last three to four years. Yes, the team has gotten better, in my opinion. Um, and I've talked about this before, but I'm one of those individuals. I, I like to reserve my judgment to all everything just comes together. Now, some people would say you're teetering the fence, so to speak. You're not really, you know, committed. I don't worry about that type of stuff because here's the reality. I just feel like when people jump to those type of conclusions, they don't have a, a, a compelling enough argument to be able to go back and forth with a person like people that get on social media. And when I critique football, critique the saints, whatever, and they just say something like you're a hater or you're not a real fan. I don't pay any attention to that because most people don't know me personally. And, and also people have a tendency of reading into things they want to read into, right? They, they, they come to their own conclusions. They don't try to follow up or anything like that. So I don't concern myself with that. But once again, there are people, there are fans that are very, very reluctant to embrace this football team. And on this edition, we're going to be answering the question, why? Right now, the I mean, why do you feel this way? Why do you feel the way that you do? And what would it take in order for you to be convinced that this team can make a run at it? Because if you look at the New Orleans Saints this offseason, they didn't really do anything that was just monumental or, you know, something that we just felt like, you know, this just put us in absolute shock. That including that includes the signing of Derek Carr. Like, seriously, like signing Derek Carr didn't surprise me at all. They went out and they got pieces that they needed. Right. We knew they needed help uh, on the interior and they got it right. They got uh, Brian Brissy. They got Colin Sanders. They got Nathan Shepard. They brought back uh, Malcolm Roach. They got all the things that we felt they needed. Right. Uh, needed help a little bit in the secondary, left a little bit to be, you know, left a lot to be desired, you know what I'm saying, in some cases, especially when it came to the turnovers. Now, 
uh, discipline when it came to the secondary was pretty decent. The only thing is, if, if you go back and you look at last season, it just they just didn't get turnovers. They just did not get turnovers, and that was a huge concern. And they fixed it. They brought in guys like Lonnie Johnson. They brought in guys like Jonathan Abram. You know, like they 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 got guys that can help in the secondary. You know, they they got help on the defensive line, and that is what everybody wanted, right? And, and including like on offense, they went out and they got wide receivers. Right. Not only did they get wide receivers like, you know, guys that are promising like A.T. Perry, but they got they went out and got guys that kind of have like the same build and makeup of a guy like a Michael Thomas, who has unfortunately been hurt over the last two to three years and has not been there. Right. And also, you know, now you you found the diamond in a rough in Rashid Shahid and you also have what it looks like Chris Olave taking that next step to being a star in the National Football League. So the Saints did everything they needed to do. Also, what I, I definitely like, and I know this can be considered underrated, um, they went out and they got another kicker, right? We know Will Lutz is, has been clutch for the New Orleans Saints, but last year was like one of his worst seasons. And I even he would tell you that. So the Saints didn't just sit around and say, oh, he got the yip, a little bit of the yips, but, you know, he's going to come back this year. They went out and they got somebody to compete with him. And 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 as you look at all sides of the football, everybody is competing for a job. Right now, we don't know what the wide receiver group is going to look like. We just know that uh, <laughs> we just know that Jerry believes that <laughs> Trey Quiet Smith is on borrowed time. But for the most part, um, we don't know what this team is going to look like. I like the competition aspect and what they're trying to do. They're trying to make people earn it. And I have no problem with that whatsoever because we should want this team uh, to be, you know, consist of guys that have earned their spot, no matter how long they've been with the team. Because we know that complacency can come up. Let, let's just be serious. If you've been at a job for four or five years, Right. And, you know, that job like the back of your hand. Sometimes, I mean, we all do it like we kind of phone it in. Right. You know, like ah, it's kind of a little bit of a lazy day. Right. I know where all the bodies are buried. I know how to get around what I need to do. Right. And, and sometimes you need that situation or that person to push you in order for you to make it a little bit more competitive. You know, um, and I like what the Saints are doing. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But once again, this this show is dedicated uh, to you and what you feel about this team. Are you convinced that that is the question? Are you convinced uh, that, you know, that this team is turning a corner? Um, of course, later on in, a, in the offseason, we're going to talk a little bit about records and all that kind of stuff. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited to talk about that. Um, it uh, it becomes a little bit of a tradition here on the State of the Saints podcast. And I, I feel bad and I'm sorry for individuals that <laughs> that invite me onto their platforms and they ask me about the schedule and I tell them, you know, I do like a show that kind of, you know, focus on that. And I feel bad because maybe they want to know or, you know, I feel like, I, I, you know, I can't really expound on it because it takes away from what we're trying to do here. But 
Um, you got to be confident to a certain extent, but the question is, how confident are you? But let me go ahead and uh, read some of your comments, and then we'll go ahead and get started from there. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's start with Yellow. Yellow says, I will even go as far as to say the coaching staff looks okay. There's uh, definitely a different energy from last year compared to this one. We just got to stand behind it for now. I'm a, I, Okay. I just I just put it to you like this. I think what we're actually seeing is individuals more confident about where they are, who they are, and what they can be. I uh this is probably about to sound extremely, you know, controversial, but it is what it is. You may not like Derek Carr, some of you. You may not feel like there is a, you know, a huge, you know, I guess divide between he and Jameis Winston. But I'm telling you, Derek Carr, addition to the New Orleans Saints, has this team feeling different. Now, I don't like I don't think it has anything to do with they didn't believe that they can win with Jameis Winston as a quarterback. I just feel like. When Derek Carr signed on a dotted line, it made things a little bit different from his control of the offense, from his ability to be able to complete passes at a high percentage, you know, his ability to facilitate comebacks. I think that it changed people's minds. And quite honestly, I feel like it makes this team a more of a contender and it makes guys want to sign and come along and be a part of this team. And some people may get mad at me for saying this, but it, I just feel like it's a different energy, you know, and I think these guys believe that they can win with Derek Carr. Now we can pretend all day and night, right? But we know that when certain guys sign on a dotted line, like the Jets, for example, the Jets sign Aaron Rodgers in all season. You're not about to tell me that the Jets players right now don't feel more confident that they can actually win it all with Aaron Rodgers more so than they felt like with Zach Wilson, right? Or, you know, a Mike White. That's just what it is. It just comes with the territory. Derek Carr signing with the New Orleans Saints, his ability to be able to facilitate comebacks, his high completion percentage, the way that he, he commands respect, demand you know what I'm saying demands excellence all that type of stuff right there is meaningful like just watching Derek Carr this guy has a lot of confidence in himself you know you you can tell and guys I feel like are buying in a little bit more than they probably did last year and also I just feel like when it comes to Dennis Allen I, I even feel like Dennis Allen uh is a little bit more demanding you know, I feel like by him adding the guys that he wanted on his coaching staff and don't feel like to a certain extent you have other people probably with whispers when things are going bad because it happens. It happens, man, especially since these aren't the guys that he hired. You know, I feel like he he's a little bit more confident because the guys that are on his team, those are the guys that he appointed and he feels more like this is his team. So I do feel like there's a different vibe with this team 
And I know probably, you know, the Jameis Winston, uh, you know, uh, supporters are probably going to come after me for what I just said about Derek Carr. But it's the same thing when it's the same thing when uh, Tom Brady came to Tampa. It's just that simple. I think that I think they like Jameis. I think. But at the same time, this is Tom freaking Brady. We talking about here. This, you know, what I'm saying this dude, you know, what I'm saying can get the thing, get the job done. So. I don't know. Like I said, I, I do feel like it's a it's a different vibe. And I know anytime like we have these type of conversations, in come, you know, the 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 Jameis Winston supporters talking about nobody like him and he ain't getting the respect he deserves. I'm just telling you how it is. Uh let me see. Uh, let me stroll down uh, again. Yellow says, I see Derek Carr as the best combo of Winston wants to attack down the field with some of Drew Brees' mindset to take what uh you can get. So that's good. Plus tight ends looking good. Plus depth. Yeah, they got a lot. They got a lot going on, man. That uh, that can add to this team offensively. And if you got the right guy, you know, pulling the strings and being able to put guys in position to succeed, your offense definitely is going to grow. Uh, in my opinion, I think is on Pete with the play calling. He cannot be conservative, expand the playbook, and put your weapons in the best situation. I'm gonna I'm say it like this, man. Um. And this may sound controversial also, but I really feel like the Saints have to have a guy like Derek Carr in order for them to succeed. And let me let me explain what I'm saying. Derek Carr is going to put the Saints in a position to succeed offensively. And I do think that he probably from time to time going to bump heads with Pete Carmichael because some of the plays that we we all know that last season, I think one of the biggest issues that they had with Josh McDaniel and Derek Carr was that Derek Carr was scratch what Josh McDaniel did and, and basically, you know, call a play that he feel like is going to work. I think that sometimes you, you know, you need that quarterback that's going to be able to see it before it happens. And, you know, sometimes you you might get mad. The coordinator may get mad at you. The coach may get mad at you. But if it, it generates results, then you can't get too mad, right? If if it, it generates a twenty three yard gain instead of a a two yard gain or something like that, I just feel like when it comes to this coaching staff, unless until they prove me wrong, they need star players that can win beyond what's given to them. They, they need somebody that's going to go above and beyond. When you have Sean Payton as your head coach, I feel you can take average talent. You can take average talent, and that average talent can play average to a little bit above average, right, because of the, the schemes, the play calling, and how uh, Sean Payton kind of designed things. He knew that a, a wide receiver was limited. So you're only going to see that wide receiver in a game in certain situations. Rather, he's going to have to block on the outside like a Traquan or he has like blazing speed where he can take the top off the defense and Drew Brees can go to him deep. I don't know if you have that with this. I think that you need guys like Michael Thomas, right? That, you know, if something, if a, if a play breaks down, you know that, you know what I'm saying, he's still going to find a way to get open. Or a guy like Kamara, you know what I'm saying, that's going to still find – a way to get two yards if, you know what I'm saying, the offensive line ain't blocking correctly. You need star players to be able to rise above situations and sometimes rise above coaching. You know, it's like, you know, it's like having a star basketball player 
that can give you like 25, 26 points in his sleep every single game, right? And you have a coach that's mediocre. Like sometimes you need that, that player that's going to be able to drop 50 or something like that if necessary. And I just think that the days that the New Orleans Saints had of a bunch of guys being role players and them being able to compensate for it, I think those days are over because they don't have the coaching staff, in my opinion, to be able to win like that. Like they need guys that that aren't one dimensional. Like these guys have to have be able to do a multifacet of things. Like you just can't be fast and we about to put you in here so you can run this nine route, run this streak down the field. No, like you got to be able to run the route tree. You got to be able to catch everything that's thrown in your vicinity. You got to be able to fight for extra yards, get yards after the catch. That is the way I feel about it. Like seriously, I don't, I don't think the, I think the days of bringing in Tavares cadet on third and two are over. Like I, I feel like you have to have players that's going to be able to compensate for some, some things that I feel like Sean Payton uh, you know, saying left with like you need that, and if you don't have it, then I think they're gonna be in trouble. Like I, I, I'm, I'm serious. Like I'm, I'm really, really serious. I think, I think the days of just being one dimensional for the New Orleans Saints are over. I don't think they're gonna they can win games, but I don't think they're gonna win consistently if they don't have players that that uh, can do multifaceted things. Uh, Valerie says, I believe everyone will be pleasantly surprised. With a DC four overall ability, I've been watching him nine years. The potential is there, and now he has a great defense to back him. I don't think anybody has an issue with Derek Carr's ability to be able to <clears throat> play the quarterback position. But I was mentioned—I mentioned this on the last episode. Dude, got to win. You know, like this, this has nothing to do with his talent. I think sometimes, like guys, fly under the radar because their team doesn't consistently win. Their team is not good enough. So, you know, a lot of the reporters and stuff like that don't pick up the stories. And sometimes those guys fall under the cracks and we never really know or see how good those guys actually are because there are so many different limitations that prohibit them from being seen or uh, for them to display their full potential. With Derek Carr, I think everybody knows what he can do. People see the stat line. People see all these things, but at the same time, you got to win too, right? It can't just be, oh, he completed 67% of his passes, but that means nothing if you're not winning consistently. That means nothing if you're not making the playoffs. That means nothing, you know, but, I mean, it looks good on the stat sheet. Get you a couple Pro Bowl Burts and all that kind of stuff, and that's cool, but it's not going to put you in the upper echelon of quarterbacks. You're always going to be – uh, uh, ESPN undisputed segment, you know, are you good? Are you not? That's, that's what it's going to be. Right. When, when I mention certain names, there, there are no brainers in, in modern day NFL. If I say Joe Burrow, like this is a no brainer, do good. If I say Patrick Mahomes this is a no brainer, he's good. Josh Allen, no brainer. He's good. You know, like, and I start mentioning guys like Derek Carr, like, yo, know, he, all right, but he got to win. Right. There, there's guys that, are no-brainers, and then there's guys who you're trying to get into the room, right? You have a, It's like getting into an exclusive club or something like that, right? You come there, you show up with your tux on, and you know what I'm saying, your suit and tie, what have you, and, and you're trying to get into the, you know, the smokers club and stuff like that, and all of a sudden, you know, like, do you have your card? Uh, no, I don't have my card, but 
such and such who comes here all the time tells me I can get in. Well, let me see if I can get you in here. I'm, I'm not too sure. Let me see if I can call him. You know, like it, it, it's different, right? Versus a guy that walks in certain town. Hey, man, you, you, you got the card. Yeah, here it is right here. Or, you know, a guy don't even need the card because he showed up consistently. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Mr. Patterson, come on to the back. Uh, you, you same, you want the same uh, bottle of scotch like last time, you know, stuff like that. Like some things are no brainers. And then there are times where you have to make a compelling argument to get a guy into the room. You can make a compelling argument for Derek Carr, but there's also people that can dispute, you know, and go against what you're saying. Well, you know, yeah, he put up a lot of yards, but where the playoff wins. You know, where where the games consistently where he put the team on his back, right? I mean, he has something to prove. I think he has what it takes to, you know, I think he has what it takes to prove what needs to be proven, but I'm only one guy. And if you feel that way, you're only one person. And you, yeah, we can become a, a mob and a collection of individuals that can, you know, have an amen corner for him. But if you're not winning, you know, if you if you're not winning, then you know nobody cares. No, nobody cares at all. Let's see. Uh, that's what I like about Derek Carr. He's vocal. If he sees something he doesn't like on the field, he will call it out and or demand a change of play. Yeah, I mean you need that in your quarterback to be able to see it, to be able to feel it, and also to be able to hold guys accountable. Like you know, like that's that's important too. You know, like, and that comes with respect. From the league, that comes with consistency at the quarterback position. Now, you can't just be no average Joe Blow, you know, and, and come out there and be saying, oh, man, you need to get right here. And, you know, if you if a guy, you're you're just a average Joe Blow and you talking like that, man, guy going to go sit down somewhere and be like, you need to go sit down with me. You know, you, you got you to gotta show that you are capable. Of leading men, you got to show that you're capable of putting a team on your back. And if you're vocal and you have the game to back it up, guys are going to follow you. But you know, you got to you got to get it done too. I th- I think you got to get it done too. Let's see. Uh, on paper, the Saints have a playoff roster. It depends on the coach, and I'm thankful I'm watching the live show. Jules, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate that. Uh, Huncho, yeah, that's but that's one aspect. Quarterback is huge factor plus a damage. Um, O-line, uh, you can only do so much. Yeah, look, man, I just think that, you know, everything got to come together in order for this team to be successful. Uh, do the offensive coordinator and Derek Carr need to be on the same page? Absolutely. Yeah, they got to be on the same page. They got to be able to understand one another. The offensive coordinator needs to understand the plays and the situations uh, that Derek Carr can excel in and also, Derek Carr has to understand the, the offensive philosophies of Pete Carmichael. It can work. You know, I, I think that the fact that Derek Carr is a veteran that has seen it all and done it all, uh, understands the West Coast offense, um, probably just the differences of the verbiage of it. I think he fully understands it. And I think that they'll be ready. I think you'll probably see some hiccups in the road as, as early in the season. And then eventually, you know, they're going to hit the ground running when it comes to chemistry. I, I think that you need that, you know, but uh, it, it all depends. Like, but I think that they'll be able to get it together. I like the fact that, you know, they brought in a guy like John Gruden, you know, 
despite what people may think about John Gruden, he understands Derek Carr. He coached Derek Carr. Derek Carr had his best number statistically under John Gruden. So John Gruden has an understanding of what Carr can do best. And, uh, you know, they're trying to figure that out. And I like the fact that the Saints, like a couple of years ago, in my honest opinion, this, this probably wouldn't happen. This probably wouldn't have happened. You probably wouldn't have seen John Gruden roll, you know, a, a controversial figure like a Gruden showing up at the Saints facility. You probably didn't see that. But the, the Saints are willing to, you know, I guess like negate the opinions of public opinion, you know, like negate that and, you know, and be like, okay, you know, it's fine. We'll, we'll take the backlash, but at least we know that we're going to, you know, figure out and know what this guy's tendencies are. And we're going to find the best guy to give it to us. And that's John Gruden. So that, there you go right there. Let's see. Uh, John says, uh, yellow knows if they ran uh, that trash offense because of Winston and Dalton wasn't their guys. Uh, that's high key sabotage, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know if it's high key sabotage. I, I honestly just feel like Dalton wasn't really their guy, you know, but they felt to me, I just felt like he was a mean, you know what I'm saying? He was a means to an end. Now, when it came to Jameis, I don't feel like Jameis was their guy. I, I don't, you know, I don't think that, I think they like Jameis. It's pretty obvious they like him but they don't see him as the future of the franchise. I don't think they ever did. Like, I don't, th I think when Jameis, when, when Sean Payton left, that was Jameis, that was Jameis' last shot to really just be looked at as the future franchise quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Because I think, once again, I think the coaching staff, the GM likes Jameis, but I don't think they look at him as the starting quarterback of the team. I think that was Sean Payton's vision uh, combined with Sean Payton uh, having a soft spot for what they call, um, you know, broken toys. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm only calling it that because what the NFL world looks at when they see Jameis Winston. Like, seriously, like, I like Jameis, you like Jameis, but Let's just be real about this. People look at Jameis Winston as a, a mediocre, bottom-of-the-barrel, mistake-driven quarterback. It's just, that's just what it is. Like any, any national show that you, you, you go to, guys are going to be cracking jokes about Jameis, and they probably got one guy up there that's going to defend them, right? So I think when it comes to like certain players who have a reputation of kind of being – damaged goods the kevin whites of the world right you know sean payton wants to show his genius like oh you couldn't do anything with him watch what i do with him and i just feel like when he left the the whole narrative and thought pattern of Jameis winston like seriously being considered as the franchise quarterback went out the window i think they wanted him i think they want him to be on the team why would anybody not want Jameis Winston as a teammate? Like, the dude, like, I don't think that's a facade. I don't think that's an act or anything. When he's on a sideline cheering for his teammates and encouraging them, I think that's genuinely how he feels. I think he wants to play, but he's he, he's willing to put his own, you know, feelings to the side for the betterment of the team. And I think that it's contagious. And I think that you need that, right? You, you need that guy that – 
when morale is low or, you know, when, when people are frustrated to be able to pull people on the side, maybe with a joke, maybe seeing something that they didn't see to encourage everyone else. That is what Jameis Winston is. But I just think that ser- like him seriously being considered the franchise quarterback for years to come, that left when, when Sean Payton decided to go to TV and now that he's with the Denver Broncos. I, I like I I don't feel like it, it will ever be considered, or it was ever considered in the first place. If that was the case, then I why would they yank him so quickly? You know, seriously, why would they yank him so quickly? I just feel like the first line of trouble. You know, they was willing to yank him, and you're not going to do that if you feel, if you wholeheartedly feel that a guy could possibly be your franchise quarterback. You're going to give them more and more opportunities to do that. And they didn't. So that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, It will be a conservative plan, and D.C. will not be able to get into uh, those shootouts uh, games. I don't know. Look, I don't know if they'll be able to win, you know, shootout games or not. But at the same time, I feel like if you have a veteran signal caller that understands situational football like Derek Carr does, it strengthens your chances to be able to win those shootout games, right? But to me, I don't want too many shootout games, seriously. And you shouldn't want too many shootout games. If the Saints get into a shootout, you want them to, the, you want to feel like they got the quarterback or the offense to be able to facilitate a comeback. I feel like with Derek Carr, it gives people confidence. You know that he can do it. He's done it 33 times throughout his career. So there you go. So to say that they they don't have a chance, I, I just feel like that that narrative isn't factual. Uh, exactly. Got to win. Everyone loves talking about uh, DC4 and not having any defense, but ignore them being some of the worst offenses uh, in the NFL at the same time. Well, look, I think that I think that is part of what has happened with Derek Carr is, you know, playing for the Raiders, them, you know, changing coaches, coordinators too often. I think that, you know, that can affect you. But at the same time, here's the reality. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, like really, nobody cares. If you're not winning, Nobody cares about how and why you're not winning. Yeah, you'll have some people that'll sit up there and they'll, you know, bang the drum for you and say, hey, man, if he had a better defense, if he had a better offense, if he had this, that, and the third, there's always going to be a person or two to be able to try to make a compelling argument why a guy isn't successful. But if like you got to win. Like, you can have all the talent in the world, the ability in the world. You can do all these different things. But if you're not winning, nobody cares. No, Nobody cares at all. Like, you're going to be considered bottom of the barrel. People going to always consistently put you in the top 15, top 20. And as time goes on, if you have absolutely nothing to show for it, no Super Bowl, no, no reoccurring appearances in the playoffs, no can no no playoff wins, no, you know, a bunch of yards in, in postseason play, you will be lost in the sands of time. Because there's always going to be a young player coming up at your position 
They might end up winning a Super Bowl. They might end up putting some yards up. They're going to surpass you. Like, as, as a quarterback, if you if you start playing quarterback before they they brought in, you know what I'm saying, extra games for the season, right, bringing in an extra game, that's a whole nother game where a guy can go off and let's just say if he – in week 17, a couple of years ago, if he was 200 yards short – of breaking Peyton Manning's record, then, you know, it's not going to happen. But he has a whole nother week to do that. So all these records and numbers and stuff like that are going to be inflated because of the extra game. And then on top of that, if a guy ends up winning a championship, no matter how great you were during the time you were playing, how good you played, that person is always going to get the notch over you because they got the hardware. So you got to win. You got to win. If you, if you don't, then guess what? You're going to be lost in the, in the sands of time. I mean, we've we seen it so many times. Guys like Ken Anderson, quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Good, solid career, right? Uh, you know, like guys like Dan Fouts, you know, great quarterback during this time, right? Or Eric Coriel and Kellen Winslow. But nobody talks about how great Dan Fowler is. Nobody talks about that, you know? Because they ain't win nothing. They put up a whole bunch of yards. They ain't win nothing. The only person I, I know, only player that I know just can, consistently gets credit for being a great quarterback and ain't win nothing is Dan Marino. Everybody else, all the all of guys who went toe-to-toe with Dan Marino, a lot of these guys aren't being considered. Now, they'll get a Hall of Fame and stuff like that, you know, but they have to wait 10, 15 years to do that. So you got to win. Like you, you, you can't just put up yards and not win nothing. Like just, just think about this: if if Drew Brees never won that Super Bowl, Super Bowl forty four, he would have had a whole bunch of you know a, a bunch of yards. But as you look, Tom Brady played an extra year and broke all that. So, you know, we know how great Drew Brees was, but now you know, what I'm saying Drew Brees can be in that conversation because you can say Drew Brees won a Super Bowl, right? So the guy that may you may be considering to surpass Drew Brees may not have what Drew Brees has. You got to win, all in all. Uh, the phone lines. Thank you very much for two dollars. Says open us. Um, I'll see. I'll see if I can uh, actually uh, open up the phone lines to take a few uh, calls in just a minute. Let's see. Uh, agree. Uh, they never did uh, see him the same way as Sean Payton did. No, they they didn't. Who cares if uh, Gruden is racist? It has nothing to do with his coaching ability. Plenty of black players and coaches uh, can't stand white uh, people, and we don't find and fire them, nor should we. Uh, I don't know about all that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. As far as saying who cares if he's racist, I mean, a lot of people do. You know, I don't think anybody wants to uh, be coached or be talked to or, you know, was you know uh, be around somebody that has that that type of heart or that type of mind frame you know I, I don't know i don't know who was around i don't know you know i'm pretty sure they talked to the players you know especially like the leadership of the team before they brought him in to get everybody else on board but uh there's a lot of people that care about that there's a lot of people that care and uh i don't know i, I don't care how great you are like i ain't trying i don't want a person like that 
around. You know, all I, all I can say is when it comes to John Gruden, he's a great, you know what I'm saying, he's a great offensive mind, really is. But, you know, people can't unsee you know what you know what they saw or you know unhear what what transpired but at the same time i'm pretty sure like the new orleans saints organization are not just going to bring him in without having a conversation with the leadership to get the other guys on board i can tell you that right now agree they never did see him the same way i already read that race uh has it said uh but this past season wasn't on this one um yeah, I mean, look, we all know that there are biases, you know, that take place. But what happened with Jameis Winston, to me, didn't have anything to do with race. I just think, like, I just think that we are so quick to jump to that conclusion when the person, the opposition, you know, is the opposite color of the person. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if it's a black-white issue, we we always just try to, you know, tied up in a nice little racism boat. But I also think that that's very dangerous at the same time. And I, I've said this before. When we just chunk everything up to racism, you know, people stop listening. Like, seriously, like people just stop listening. It's, it, they zone out. And, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, certain situations, you know, that 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 happen. Right. If if it keep on occurring over and over again, people are not going to be as sympathetic. For example, if, you know, let's just say, unfortunately, a, a person's house burned down. Right. But in, in the first time they burned down, I'm like, oh, you know, man, I feel awful, man. I'm sorry for that. You know, if there's anything I can do. But if your house, you know, you get another house and it burns down, it does it three and four times. You're like, man. I think somebody need to investigate this. Somebody, little baby arson or something, you know, like the the sympathy is not going to be there, you know? So to me, I just think that we got to be careful with this because there are serious situations that racism and, and biases play a huge role in people not getting jobs and people not advancing at those jobs. And those are the things we need to pay attention to. You know, it, it can be sometimes like a guy just upset that he's not as good as he thinks he is and they go in a different direction or they see something different in a guy who just so happens to be a white guy or just so happens to be, you know, a black dude. You know, it, it can't just be, oh, man, they, they they got something against me. Maybe you're just not that good. Seriously. You know, and I just think that we have to be careful with that. Like, we can't just call everything racism. Like, seriously. Like sometimes, you know, maybe it just it's just not that. Let's see. Please review those uh comebacks. How many uh were actually garbage results? Not a playoff game matters. Um, uh, I don't look, I, I don't I don't review, I'm pretty sure some of them, you know, probably was, you know, he probably started off bad and, and got it together. And there are probably some games where, you know, they needed him in order for them to facilitate comebacks. I mean, but at the same time, I can say the same thing about Drew Brees, you know? I mean, I, I think about that game versus the Washington Redskins, both of them. You know, the, the you got the classic game where Robert Meacham ripped the ball away. Drew Brees played like garbage in that game. Like, 
even like even with that, like Drew Brees throws the ball off his back foot into the middle of the field and it gets picked off. Right. But at the same time, he came back like he lost his freaking mind in the second half. And both of those games, the one that Robert Meacham and the 2017 game where Alvin Kamara, you know, scored the late with the late game heroics and Drew Brees got hot. I mean, you can talk about that all like we we can do this all day. There, there's always going to be games where comebacks take place. The cornerback may have played like trash. You know, like all of them are not going to just be, oh, the defense just didn't stop anybody, right? It, it just could have been like the defense was getting the best of that quarterback in the first half or, you know, a couple quarters, and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter he figured it out. It happens. But that that's not a – that doesn't mean that that player is bad, right? Oh, you know, like he – look 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 in this game right here. I mean, everybody does it. I'm pretty sure every great quarterback that you could think of, every good borderline elite quarterback that you could think of have had games where they are responsible for why their team is behind and they're also responsible for why their team finds success and win. For example, who remembers the game in the playoffs with Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions in the first half versus the Los Angeles Chargers came back in the second half and threw four touchdowns in the second half. So he had four touchdowns, four interceptions. He was responsible for the team being behind, and he was also responsible for them winning and and going to the divisional round of playoffs against the Chiefs. It happens. So I I can't just look at him and be like, man, you know, like, okay, yeah, he facilitated those comebacks, but look at this one, look at this one. For every – one that you can bring up, I can say the same thing about some of the best quarterbacks that ever played the game. Seriously. If you watch enough of these great quarterbacks, you'll see. And, you know, that includes guys like Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen in the modern-day NFL. They've got, There's been games where they played horribly, and they still find a way to win. Kevin, thank you very much for becoming a YouTube member. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate that. TJ, who are your top three breakout players for us this season? Um, top three breakout players. <coughs> um, if I can just think of a few, um, I know people are saying Chris Olave, but I don't even consider Chris Olave if he if he comes out and he plays well. I don't even look at that as a breakout. Like, is it really a breakout if a guy is considered one of the top rookie uh, players offensively? Um, you're, you're like in the top three of the final or the final votes of the offensive rookie of the year. Like, is that really a breakout? I, I guess like if he falls into like the top three wide receiver yardage groups or something, but I, I don't look at him as like, Oh, you know, like he's a breakout. I feel like he already broke out. Like everybody know how good he is and everybody expect for him to be even better. So I would, I would, I wouldn't even mention Chris Olave in that regard. Like a guy like Rashid Shahid, like I would consider him as a breakout, right? Because he's a guy who basically came out of nowhere. Nobody really knew that much about him, knew his name, knew what he did in college as far as his kick return ability. But nobody expected for him to do what he has done. And nobody honestly would feel like a guy who is an undrafted rookie would be able to build and become much better than he was in his rookie year. You know, some people will look at that as an outlier and, Maybe it would, you know, chunk that up for people not understanding his tendencies. But I feel like, you know, what what is inside of Rashid Shahid as far as his skill set, his ability, 
his athleticism. I feel like, you know, you can find a good solid number two on your depth chart. So I'm going to say him as the, the, the number one, uh, the number two, I would say would be DeMarco Jackson. Um, Cause I feel like DeMarco uh, is a guy who, who was building momentum during the offseason programs, end up getting hurt, and uh, didn't get an opportunity to really show what he's made of. So, And I also feel like that's one of the main reasons why you have some Saints fans panicking about the linebacker position, but the Saints haven't addressed it because, look, there's, there's two reasons why uh, a team won't do that. Number one is salary cap. They feel like you know they don't have enough money to get somebody of quality. Or number two, a, a young player has emerged and they feel like they're comfortable at that position. I prefer the latter. So I'm going to say DeMarco Jackson would be uh, my number two. Uh, number three for me would be Paulson Adebo. I think that Paulson Adebo will be much better than he was in year two. I think with the combination of the ankle injury that he dealt with the entire season and um, how smart this guy is and his ability to be able to understand fully the the playbook and you know and everything it entails i think you're going to see a much better uh paulson adebo and this would not surprise me if paulson adebo uh leads the secondary interceptions this season like i i think that i think that you're probably going to see that from him those are my top three guys i would consider uh as breakouts uh let's see uh disagree on uh your dan faust take tough time then um, I don't understand what we're disagreeing about, Dan Fouts. I don't understand what you're talking about there. Um, what, what's there to disagree with? Like when you start talking about like great quarterbacks, who brings up Dan Fouts? Like who who brings them up? Like I don't know, maybe people in your circle. I don't know, but ain't nobody bringing up no Dan Fouts when they talk about some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But if you look at Dan Fouts and you know Don Coriel, the head coach and Kellen Winslow and all those other guys that they had on their team, you know, they had they, they were the epitome of offensive efficiency. There are a few, few teams in, in the, like, early to mid-'80s, you know, that you can just look at, and they were before their time. That was Don Shula's Dolphins when Dan, uh, Dan Marino was young, right, when he, when he threw 5,000 yards. That was unheard of at that time, right, when you had uh, – well, you had Mark Jackson and Mark Duper, you know what I'm saying, the Mark brothers, when you had those guys on the team, right, and he was throwing the ball left and right. And then, like I said, then you had Eric Coriel. They were before their time. And it was it was the epitome of offensive innovation. And Dan Fouts put up a lot of yards. But if you were to ask anybody, man, who was some of the top quarterbacks of all time, then you, you would start hearing a whole bunch of guys. And somebody would yell out, Man, what about Dan Faust? And you know, you know what somebody will say? Oh, yeah, Dan Faust. Yeah, man, he was good. That boy was a beast back in the, you know, like, but he's not going to be on the lips of people when they start like reciting some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That's what I'm saying. I ain't, I'm not saying that, it, you know, he wasn't good. That's, that's my whole point. He was good, but people aren't giving him, people are not going to mention his name uh, as often. Uh, so a good coach sees a player different than a mediocre to bad coach. I don't know how to look at that one. You say, so a good coach sees a player different than a mediocre to bad coach. Uh, I don't know what you mean by that. Let me see if I can rephrase what you're saying. You say, so a good coach sees a 
a player different than a mediocre to bad coach? Um, I don't want to say these. Oh, yeah. Nah, I take that back. Yes, I am saying that. Because here's the thing. When it comes to a mediocre coach, you got to think about the situation, right? You got to think about <laughs> you got to think about the player, you got to think about the time, and and you also got to think about the situation. Allow me to elaborate. Okay, if you have a player, right? He's good. Right? But at the same time, you only feel like this player can do so much for you. For example, he probably give you what three catches, forty some yards per game, or something like that. You know, like in your system, or you know, what I'm saying, or in certain situations, like you're not going to call this guy. It'd be like, okay, man, it's your time to shine, right? You're not going to do that in certain situations. And sometimes, if you have a bunch of middle of the pack average players and you have a middle-of-the-pack average coach, he's not going to be able to draw up or create like a, a, a really good situation in order for that player to be effective versus, versus a great coach who basically is cocky, arrogant, to a point where they will sit up late at night, 2, 3 in the morning, right, to come up with plays just to try to stick it to the establishment and say, I can win with anybody. Like, you may not believe this, but they have coaches like that. They 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 have these coaches that want these players that they can provide a rags-to-riches story. You're not going to tell me that a guy like, hmm, I'm trying to see, Kevin McConnell, right? He, he's the coach of the, the Minnesota Vikings, is going to sit up here and try to, play around with a guy like Jalen Rieger year after year after year. But Sean Payton will. Sean Payton will do it. Sean Payton will con con continuously. A guy like Belichick will consistently do it, right? Because th there's a level of arrogance about them. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're supposed to be the smartest guys in the room. Come on, man. Let, let's be serious about this. Who, who up here looking at a guy like Kevin White? Think about this. Think about the last couple of teams that Kevin White has played for. They play, he played for a coach that is known for offensive innovations and that can get the best out of anybody. Who did he play for before he got to the Saints? The 49ers. Who is the 49ers head coach? Kyle Shanahan. Isn't Kyle Shanahan considered one of the top offensive minds in football? Isn't he one of those guys that people look at and be like, man, he can get the best out of anybody? I don't think we need to Think about that that long. All I have to say is uh, one name, Brock Purdy. So you have coaches that are like that versus a guy who is, you know, when I say when time is not on their side, like a guy like Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen ain't got time to be dealing with a guy that is a rags to riches story or a possible rags to riches story because he needs to win right now. He needs to win. He needs to find ways to get the fan base, the establishment on his side for them to feel confidently that he is the guy. You don't get those opportunities when you're considered a mediocre coach. That's all I'm saying. That, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's, that's my whole point. Like, you got coaches out here that are 
arrogant, cocky, where they feel like they can do it with everybody. And then you have guys that, you know, they probably feel like you got the talent, but they need to win. So they're not going to just put you in a game if they can just go out here and get a guy that's more of a sure thing to make them look good. Like, to me, I feel like if Sean Payton was still the head coach of the Saints, then we probably would be talking about Jameis Winston being the starting quarterback of the Saints going into what, his third, you know what I'm saying, his third year as a starting quarterback. That's what I feel. Because Sean Payton, I feel like Sean Payton has the, the confidence and the arrogance that he feel like he can turn Jameis Winston into an MVP candidate. Do you think that Dennis Allen has that confidence in Jameis? I don't think so. Because the Chargers ran the Coriel to perfection. We were the last team that ran the Coriel in that fashion. Um, I think I think you're missing what we're saying, Jai. I think well, I think you're missing my point here. My point is it was effective. Like I agree with what you're saying. What you're saying has validity, which is my whole entire point. It was a special time when Don Coriel. Dan Fowler, Kellen Winslow, that offense was out there balling, killing teams, putting up like my like mammoth numbers, you know, for that particular time. That that part is true. But what I'm saying is, when you start talking about the greatest quarterbacks of all time, when you start talking about some of the best to ever do it, Dan Fowler get pushed to the back. He put up big numbers, but they weren't able to get. They, they weren't able to get out of the playoffs, right? They always ran into Miami. They always ran to Cincinnati. They always ran into a team that was able to take them down no matter how offensively efficient they were. And because of that, no knock to Dan Fouts. But when you start naming quarterbacks, his name is not going to come up right then and there is what I'm saying. So I agree with you. That was a great offense, and they ran it to perfection. That's my whole point. It should be acknowledged. It should be remembered. And Dan Faust, who was the guy who was pulling the trigger, so to speak, he should be remembered more often, but he's not. And why is that? Because as great as Eric Coriel was, as great as that offense was, they weren't able to get over the hump. And it gets lost in the sands of time. You know, because at the time when it was building momentum, you know, it it always just came to a screeching halt. It's kind of like Buffalo when Buffalo ran the K gun with Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, right? Andre Reed, Don BB, right? That man, that was, they were virtually unstoppable to every team in the AFC until they went up against the Dallas Cowboys and they could not do anything at all. except get beat to sleep. They had one chance and one opportunity really fully, honestly to win it. And that was against the giants. Right. And we know that Scott Norwood did what he did. So there there were monumental offenses. There were offenses that had a lot of success. Buffalo had a lot of success. Buffalo went to the Super Bowl, what, four times and didn't win it. Now, Jim Kelly gets his credit, but nobody is bringing up Jim Kelly and saying that Jim Kelly is top 10 of all time. Right, they they gonna start naming other guys. They are gonna put him in there. If you start naming twenty, his name will come up. My point is, when it comes to Derek Carr, no matter 
how talented you are, no matter how high your completion percentage is, no matter how many comebacks that you facilitate, if you don't win something of significance, as time goes on, there are going to be other guys that come into the league that are going to push you away and make others forget about you unless you probably are part of that time period. You know, I'm pretty sure outside of Otto Graham and, and Sammy Ball, there's so many other quarterbacks if you're if you're blessed enough to have your your grandparents or your great-grandparents still among you be able to tell you how special they were, right? But if they're no longer with us, God rest their souls, nobody is going to – you're not going to really understand the significance of that player. Maybe if you have NFL films, but it's still not going to hit as hard. So you got to win. That's the, that's the only thing that's going to keep you, you know, as a, as a memory. Seriously. You know, like, you have to do something of significance in order for you to be remembered. You know, and people win every day, B. You know what I'm saying? People win regular season games every day, B. People throw for 350 yards every day, B. So what are you going to do to make sure that you are remembered? Y'all get what I'm saying? I hope, I hope I'm making sense. And it can't just be, oh, you just put up a whole bunch of yards. Because like I said, when Drew Brees broke the touchdown record on Monday Night Football, we all cheered. We all put our tweets up. We all talked about how great it was that Drew Brees was so great. And I remember when he came to the Saints and, you know, we was having issues and it was hard to watch some of the games. We all put that stuff up. But guess what? The next year, here comes Tom Brady. Breaks the all-time passing record take, uh, and takes away the all-time uh, touchdown record. So, honestly, if Drew Brees didn't take the snake-bitten franchise known as the New Orleans Saints to the Super Bowl back in 2009, how would he be able to hold up? Now you can put Drew Brees in the room. You can say, man, when Drew Brees retired, he had all the NFL statistical records and, he, you know, at that particular time. And then when people say, well, Tom Brady broke that record. Well, you can also say, look what he did. To me, and I'm not saying this to be a homer. I'm not saying this because I'm from the city of New Orleans and I've been watching the Saints my entire life. This is a fact in my, in, in, in my mind. Teams that are known for stinking, not being very good, and you have a player of significance that leads them to the promised land, to me, it means more than just one ring. When you like LeBron or not, when LeBron won a championship for the Cleveland Cavaliers, that meant more to me, to his legacy, than him winning with the Lakers and him winning with the Heat. Tell me I'm lying. Tell me, tell me what's more impressive. What he did with Miami or what he did for Cleveland? A, a team, a city that's not known for winning. New Orleans, a, a team that is not known for winning. Hoping that this team actually looks like something. Seven games would be suffice for all my OGs out there that's been rolling with this team for a long time. Seven games would suffice. You were just hoping that it make an interesting round week 15. And this guy takes this team to the Super Bowl. To me, that alone, along with the fact that he was undersized and he opened up doors for guys like a Bryce Young, like a Kyler Murray, like, you know, 
like, you know what I'm saying, like Russell Wilson. These guys probably wouldn't got opportunities, probably wouldn't have got drafted as high as they did if this guy who was six feet, 209 pounds, didn't exceed expectations and just break every statistical record. So with that, along with leading a naked franchise, you can always put Drew Brees in a room. But what happens if Drew Brees never leaves this snake bitten franchise to at least one Super Bowl, but he had all the statistical records? The same thing that happened. Tom Brady just washed that all away. And as time goes on, nobody will remember number nine. But you know what you are going to remember? You're going to remember at the time, Drew Brees leading the New Orleans Saints to the Super Bowl, knocking off Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. And that's something that can never be disputed on this guy's legacy. So you got to put him in the room. You got to. You got to put him in a room. If if you don't have the hardware, if you don't have the hardware, then you're going to be great. You're going to, like, NFL Films going to always have a package rolled out for you. You know, they they always going to do it, right? Like, for example, I I keep on mentioning the the San Diego Chargers, Dan Fowles, Don Coriel, right? Everybody. For my OGs, probably not some of the not some of the young listeners, but everybody remembers that historic um, video of Kellen Winslow being carried off the field by two of his teammates after they were going back and forth against the Miami Dolphins, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the Miami Dolphins, other Steelers, one or the other. But everybody remembers that moment when he got carried off the field when he when he played hurt. You know what I'm saying? His his so-called flu game, so to speak. Everybody remembers that. But, you know, what, you know, Kellen Winslow was one of the best tight ends of all time. Really was. But when you start talking about the best uh tight ends of all time, you're gonna bring up Gronk, right? You're gonna bring up what Kelsey is doing, you're gonna bring up Shannon Sharp, you're gonna bring up Tony Gonzalez. You like you're gonna bring up all these other guys before you get to Kellen Winslow. And the guys that I just mentioned all won Super Bowls. You know that I'm like, nah, now some of you will probably be defined and think about like, man, you know what? I, I can think of some other ones because you're trying. But I'm just saying, like, it's almost like if I tell you, say the ABCs, you know what I'm saying? You're going to say A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? When I start saying name some of the top quarterbacks of all time, if you're not thinking, you're going to start thinking, you're going to say Brady. You're going to say it in this, in, in, probably in this order. For, I'm just saying, not not for Saints fans. I'm just talking about regular sports fans that's probably watching. More more often than not, they're going to say Brady, Manning, Montana. That's what they're going to say. They're going to start naming it just like that. If you don't win anything, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to be as compelling. And, and that's just the way that it is, folks. You got to win. Derek Carr has to win. You got to win something of significance in order for you to be remembered. I don't make the rules. I just tell y'all what time it is. Uh, it's time to put up a shut up time, TJ. We have all this talent, but can't stay healthy or get over the hump. Look, it is put up a shut up time. It's put up a shut up time for a lot of people. It's put up a shut up time for Dennis Allen. Put up a shut up time for Pete Carmichael. It's put up a shut up time for Derek Carr. It's put up a shut up time for Michael Thomas. Kamara. So many of these other guys. And it has nothing to do with talent, ability, skill when it comes to these players that I just mentioned, Thomas or Kamara. Has nothing to do with that, folks, at all. 
what this has something to do with legacy as you start to grow into the league as you start to become one of the top at at your position how are you going to be remembered how are you going to be remembered see i keep telling people it's about what you do in the postseason and submitting your legacy by championships that's why i want it so bad for cam jordan to win a championship because I don't want to see Cam Jordan like my guy Pat Willen, who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Over 100 sacks, right? Over 100 sacks. This man clearly should be in the Hall of Fame. Is not yet. Because somebody's always going to make an argument about, well, you know, the Saints weren't very good during that time. What can get you into the Hall of Fame is opportunity at a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl. Hopefully, you win one. Right now, I feel like, in my opinion, Cam Jordan is a first ballot Hall of Fame. But I feel like at this stage and at this point, if Cam Jordan was to hang it up, you'll have some guy in a room trying to convince the other voters that he's not good enough. And if you watch a guy like Pat Swilling, you know that this man deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Anybody that watches football knows that the Saints linebacker corps during the, the late 80s, early 90s was the best linebacker corps of all time. Von Johnson, Sam Mills, Pat Swilling, Ricky Jackson, those were the best. And this man still ain't in the Hall of Fame, and he deserves it. So I don't want that. I don't want that for guys like Cam Jordan who've been busting their tail. And and, and, once, and I'm using Cam Jordan as an example is because we see how great he is. We see how great he is. So, hey, the man, thank you very much for $2. Says, Why people always trying to stick it to me? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess because the man always trying to stick it to everybody else, I guess. <laughs> I was agreeing with you. Uh, they look at the Chargers being some of the greatest teams while Faust is usually a part of the whole. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, you know, like I said, I agree with that. But as great as he was, once again, one, one getting the consideration that he deserves as being one of the top quarterbacks, not only of his era, but just in general. Gruden was uh, going to go with Winston over Carr before – but he uh, was led to believe he was going back to Tampa. John Gruden loved James. Look, John Gruden is one of those individuals that falls into the same category as a Sean Payton. He's a guy that is so confident in his, in his abilities to be able to put together offense and be able to do it with every, every player that comes uh, in front of him. So, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I mean, it's the same guy that was – out here lobbying from Johnny Manziel when he was out there. You know, this guy likes guys that are considered polarizing. And he definitely likes guys that they, he feels that the NFL is kind of giving up on, media has given up on, in order to prove that he's great by making that person look like gold. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there you go. On a roll. Bree, nicely done. Making your point. Yeah, I mean, look <laughs> – I'm just I'm just giving you all uh, uh, you know my thoughts on how I feel about this. It is it, it's deeper than just being talented. It is. How many people are talented 
watching this right now. Like you, <laughs> you can be as talented as you want to, but you have to do something that that shows the world there's nobody else like you. Now I'm not saying don't do nothing crazy. You know, don't do nothing ridiculous, but if you're an artist, if, if you're a content creator, if you're a seamstress, if 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 you're doing a job, you want to show that you're the best. And how do you do that? You do that by showing that nobody else can be like you. They can't replicate what you're doing. A lot of people can do it like you, but there's only one you. And there are certain things that can't be disputed. When you put together a masterpiece that that can't be disputed, and it's great, <laughs> and people can hate on it all they want to, but they got to respect the craft. That is when you solidified yourself and made a mark. And it and it can't be by about something that can't you know that that can be easily be erased. Like I said, I mentioned by adding extra games, by adding a extra game, and you know it eventually in a couple of years they're gonna add another one. So they probably gonna end up having two preseason games and two extra regular season games. Those records are gonna be broken. And it's going to be harder and harder for some of these other players that played in a certain area where they didn't have so many games. Like, for example, you know, 14-game season till they went to the 16-game season. Now they're in a 17-game season. Like, it can't just be about empty calorie yards on a Sunday afternoon. You got to be able to do more than that in order for you to be remembered. So once again, question is, like, how can these players be remembered? Cam Jordan is saying it best. I believe the Saints until they prove different, differently. Uh, Cam Jordan is a Hall of Famer, and that's just being real. Look, I feel like Cam Jordan is a Hall of Famer. I feel like all of you, for the most part, believe, well, I don't say for the most part, if you're a Saints fan, you like you know he's a Hall of Famer. But I, the question is, what Hall of Fame? Like, is he a first battle? Like, soon as five years, his, you know, five years of retirement, first five years, it, are they going to tell him to meet him in a hotel room and, you know what I'm saying, they're going to knock on your door and say you're a Hall of Fame? You know, like, you know, I, I feel like it, it was kind of the same way when it came to uh, some of these other players. You know, I, I think that it would be hard to dispute a guy with his resume if you add a Super Bowl championship, that will make him a first ballot. Like, I feel like he should be a first ballot. I, I really do. Just just the fact that he doesn't miss games. He's over 100 sacks. He's the all-time leader in sacks for the New Orleans Saints. Multi-time Pro Bowlers. I know some people feel like Pro Bowl is just, you know, oh, another guy don't want to go, so let me take his place, and now you're a Pro Bowler, but – Reality, I mean, everything he's done in the league, yeah, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But you still have guys that you probably, you know, they probably going to dispute it. But if he wins a championship on top of everything he's done, no-brainer. I believe they will make it to the NFC Championship game. If they do, I would be happy. <laughs> People remember championships, sad but true, car needs to win so we uh, can stop looking for the next Drew Brees. Yeah, look. I, I made a pitch. Um, I, don't want to, I don't remember what show it was, but it was a while back. 
And I do I did say, you know, you don't have to win a championship in order for you to be remembered. And that is true. But my argument today is more so about being remembered, like without a shadow of a doubt. Like they they cannot. I think Deion Sanders said it best. He says to me, the true definition of a Hall of Famer is they cannot write the story of the NFL without you. That that is the true definition of a Hall of Famer. And that's why when they had the conversation about Eli Manning, you know, and they were talking about is he a Hall of Famer? And some people were like, you know, you got to squint an eye to or something in order to get him in there. Some people got mad, but yeah, you, you it shouldn't be a no-brainer. You know, like I agree with that. When you start talking about the history of the NFL, can they write the story without you? If they can write the story without you, I don't feel like you've done enough. You know, if they if they can't write well, if they can't write the story without you, you deserve to be in there. If they can be like, oh yeah, you know, like you, <laughs> yeah, man, you you did all right for yourself. But if they cannot. Write the story without you. You've done your job. Drew Brees, I don't feel like they can. They cannot write the NFL story without him. They can't. Tom Brady, can't. Peyton Manning, can't. Joe Montana, can't. Like Adrian Peterson, I'm talking about, like, I go more modern. Can't. You know, like Steve Smith, can't. Like, there, there are certain guys that, and I'm using modern day because I want, you know, have people, I want relatable players that people can relate to that's more than likely watching this right now, young and old. Yeah. You know, if, if I start calling out names and the first thing comes, like, oh, come on, man, let them in. You know, but if I got a squint of eye, you know, like, it, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. Dion was absolutely right, still disgusted about how the Hall of Fame did T.O., yeah, that that was uh, nah. You you can't do that. Like T.O., you gotta write. You if you're writing the history in the NFL, you gotta include him. For better or for worse, just asking. Why do they let owners and coaches into the Pro Football Hall of Fame that never played the game? That could be more room for football players. Linda, that's that's a good question, but it, it's almost like you know. Can you have a successful franchise with the person not putting up the money? Like, there's a great McDonald worker right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a great uh, worker working at McDonald's right now that exceeds expectations. But can you write the story of that great McDonald worker without mentioning Ray Kroc? You can't. You know, like, you know, can you talk about the history of the Cowboys and not include Jerry Jones? You can't, right? That's what I said. The, it is not about it is not about your position. Is the the question is can they write the history of the NFL without you? Can they do it? You know what I'm saying? Can can they write it? If they if they can write it without you, then you didn't do it. You didn't do enough. You you know you, you didn't do enough. But you know if they you like I, I mean I got to stop writing. You know what I'm saying? Like, because we got to put this guy in here. You know, guys like Don Shula, he deserves it. 
hate him, hate him or not, Jerry Jones, he deserves it. You, you, there will be no franchise without these owners and the decisions that they make. Like Jerry Jones hired Jimmy Johnson to reconstruct the Dallas Cowboys, and he did it. So, you know. I mean, can you write that? Like, it's the same way. Like, can you write the story of Drew Brees without Sean Payton? You can't. Like, can you write the legend of a Marcus Coaston without Drew Brees? You can't. Like, can't. Like, you, there, there are certain things in in sports that you cannot do. Like, you, like, I feel like once again, you have to acknowledge these guys. So that's the way I that's the way I look at it. So do I feel like they deserve to be there? Yeah, I, I do feel like they they need to do they need to get there because it, it's it's their brainchild. Believe it or not, it's their brainchild or it's their money. You know that the GM came to the owner and said, "Okay, we need to bring this guy in." Now you got to keep in mind they do not disclose salaries. Of coaches more often than not. I don't know if y'all noticed that or not. Every now and then some might slide through the cracks. Some people might have a ballpark, but they do not talk numbers about coaches more than they talk about players. So that owner has to be convinced by that GM to bring in that guy. And that guy may be the one that turns your franchise around. So at that particular point, they have constructed a plan to turn the team around. So if they ain't signed off on it, there would be no Sean Payton. There would be no Belichick. You get what I'm saying? So, I mean, you can't. You got to give them some credit. Like, you know, Robert Kraft, I, yeah, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. Because think about this. Belichick was on his way to the Jets, right? And let's just say he, like, the Jets could have been the Patriots. And the, I mean, and the Patriots could have been that team that looked like the Jets. So, you know, that is a story of a great turnaround, even as annoying as it's been over the last 20 years, watching these guys win every single year, you know, but can you write the story without them, without that conversation that took place in order to hire the coach, hire the coordinator, hire, I mean, draft the quarterback, can't. What defense will be able to truly stop our offense with all the talent we have on the field at one time. Look, I say this, Carlton. I like the energy, but I need to see it first. I've heard this story before. I've seen this movie before. And it has nothing to do with me not having, you know, believing that this team can do it. I know they can do it. But it, it, we all know that it goes beyond that. It It, it goes beyond just... Oh, they can do it. Like if if we're if you're playing Madden, you turn the you, you turn the injury off, all that other stuff, and you simulate the season. The Saints making the playoffs, but we all know it don't go like that. We know that there's going to be injuries to players. Unfortunately, sometimes those players have big bigger impact than others, and that could completely derail your season so it goes beyond that now if we're talking about who is going to stop these players and we know for a fact that nothing is going to happen no hiccups no you know nothing to prohibit these guys from 
from reaching that full potential. Guess what? I'm on board. But we know that injuries occur. We know that things happen. So with that, I would like to reserve my judgment. But I like the I like the uh, enthusiasm there. Hey, TJ, the question is, can Dennis Allen win finally in his career this season will make it all evident? Yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing, there, there's no shade that, that Dennis Allen can hide behind or his coaching staff. Like, you got to win. And I know, you know, at times maybe – you you know you got uh saints uh you know certain personnel may watch shows like this and they'll get upset they're like you don't know exactly what you're talking about the ins and outs man miss me with all that like it, it ain't it's rather you got it or you don't i'm sorry like it's rather you got it or you don't like you can get mad at the at the uh at the guys like me or reporters re- reporting certain things but you got to get it done, right? And there's only so much shade. There's only so much uh, hush, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like cover-ups that you can actually orchestrate. I mean, is it's is going to come to light eventually. And you got to get it done, right? I mean, you can stop people from really talking about it. You can maybe deny individuals from really, you know, presenting certain things. But guess what? It's going to come out regardless. And then people are going to feel even more frustrated because they feel like you're questioning their intelligence. And that's that's one of the biggest issues I think has been deal with the Saints have been dealing with over the last couple of years. It's like, it's obvious. Everybody knows it. And I ain't saying come out there and just, you know, just completely break down in front of the camera, but call a spade a spade. TJ, is ABA Hall of Fame in your opinion outside his antics? Yes. Yeah, he is. He is a Hall of Famer. He checks all the marks. He got all the yards. He got all the touchdowns. He got championship. You know? Yeah, but will I feel do I feel like he will be in the Hall of Fame? Probably not, because now they put this new rule in about conduct. So if he's doing all that, they can always hold that over. Well, you know, he did this, he did that. Yeah, so. Does he deserve it? Yes. Like, if he didn't have all the extra stuff going, definitely. Sports history full of footnote people. It is very small uh, page when it comes to winning the big game and becoming a legend in sports. Yep. That's why we value the legends. That's why barbershops are going to forever be packed with individuals talking about the quarterback that was the beast in their day and how the rules or manipulate it now and you know and all that i mean it's always going to be like that. that's why you're always going to have an og talking about montana that's why you're always going to have an og as times goes on talking about Peyton man and tom brady when you know when patrick mahomes is probably going to be in his 15th 16th year man brady and you know then a younger generation who had appreciation to see the come up of patrick mahomes gonna be trying to put him in as the greatest of all time. You know, it, it just happens. It just happens, folks. I mean, that's, that's how the wheels keep turning. Hey, TJ, I still believe the Saints quarterback of the future is still not on the team. Time will tell. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> the the quarterback of the future may not be on the team, but the quarterback of the present is on the team right now. I, I mean, Derek Carr is a is a veteran. You know, he's going into the ninth season or something like that. So uh to say that he's the quarterback of the future, 
I mean, I think your quarterback of the present. I do agree with you. I mean, I feel like, you know, quarterback of the future is a guy who is who is younger, um, you know, is probably somewhere in high school right now, you know, <laughs> 11th grade, 12th grade or something like that. And hasn't even uh, declared what school he's going to be going to or commit to what school. So you're right about that. Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, uh, T.A., Jeff Plunkett needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I believe Jim Plunkett needs to be in the Hall of Fame. He's not. Now, that's a shock. If if he's not in the Hall of Fame, you know, like, I mean, Jim Plunkett is, yeah, he definitely deserves to be there. Um, all those teams, uh, the Raider teams that he got there, I want to say he won two Super Bowls with the with the Raiders. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I believe he should be in there. But I think a lot of people kind of hold it over his head that Jim Plunkett didn't come into the league good, right? He he didn't. Like it came like <laughs> towards the end of his career. You know, that's when he started getting good and winning. Yeah, you know, I think that kind of, you know, if he's not in the Hall of Fame, I, I'm no, I'm not sure if he is, but if he's not, that I think that has something to do with it. Uh Paulie, don't do that. Uh Drew Brees didn't even have uh the numbers Carl have uh when he came to us. Well, I don't even think it's about numbers. Like you have some, you have players that have numbers, but I think it's in between the ears, which you know is gonna get you to that point. Like I think what a lot of people don't understand is Drew Brees was one of the most intelligent football players in the league. And I don't, I don't think people understand that. Like it takes more than just arm talent and a bunch of yards that you probably accumulated during garbage time if your team wasn't good and you were, you had to throw to get back into the game. You know, you got to have a certain knowledge. You got to have a certain leadership quality. He he looked like he's checking all the boxes, but it, it's beyond just having arm talent. I mention this all the time. There are so many different guys who had arm talent, and they're not in the Hall of Fame. Jeff George had arm talent. I mean, <laughs> Aaron Brooks had arm talent. You know, but those guys aren't in the Hall of Fame, not not touching, not scratching, not sniffing it. Jamarcus Russell had arm talent. Kyle Bowler had arm talent. You know, so many others, you know, I can name had arm talent, but it, it's beyond that. You, you got to win. You got to be a leader. You got to demand respect. And you got to you have to have respect not only from the fans, but most importantly, with your peers. Hall of Fame players. Uh, hey, TJ, what the NFL is so big on conduct, why the players don't take it more seriously named Alvin Kamara? Well, look, I think that, uh, look, what happened with Alvin Kamara was unfortunate, um, but I will say to his defense, I ain't seen nothing since then. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's just a, a reoccurring thing. You know, I do think that sometimes, you know, guys, I, I just, I just, okay, I'm trying to choose my words so because I, I want people to understand what I feel. Just imagine, I, look, close your eyes for a second, all right? I close my eye with you. Think about this, right? You're in your bed, you know, in your house, like, you know where you stay. And let's just say, for example, you got about $58.60 in your account, right? Think about this. Like, think about looking at your bank statement. 
You know what I'm saying? All the bills that you didn't pay and all that kind of stuff there. Now think about the next day you sign with a you're gonna sign with a team. And that $58 is gonna turn into 58 million, or that's gonna turn into 5.8 million. Think about that. You never had nothing for the most part in your life. You had to struggle. You had to watch your mom, watch your dad sit on the edge of the bed with their hands on their face, scratching their head, trying to figure out how they're going to pay the bills. You're thinking about how you probably ask your mom, I want them new Jordans. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. I didn't get my bonus. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. We got to pay this bill. I can't, you know, think about that. And think about you went from taking the bus or having that car that was passed down, your uncle, you know what I'm saying, who, who finally got that new car that he always wanted after retirement, decided to give it to you, and now it's all beat up, and now you can go out here to any dealership and buy the car of your dreams. You can have a house of your dreams. You can tell your mom that you ain't never got to work another day in their life, but you also have to deal with all of the stresses of people saying that they like you, saying that they have these different ideas, wanting something from you, or at the same time, never really having anything. And now everybody demanding your attention. You can get into any place that you want to. The, the times that you're hearing the word no is now is a bunch of yes, yes, and you haven't heard the word no in I don't know how long. Now think about that. Now, you know, and, and you can say whatever you want to say. Their money does change people. Situations do change people. Now, you might, you know what I'm saying, you may not be a jerk, but you're going to, it's going to change you in a certain way. And I just think that sometimes when guys can get what they want, women can get what they want, have access to what they want, there is that sense of entitlement from time to time. That's why, to me, you need a team around you to be able to bring you down consistently, right? To bring you down and understand, like, hey, man, that ain't the best idea in the world. Now, I can't relate to that because I can't buy everything that I want, but to a certain extent, I understand. And being in certain situations where you see the cheesiest of the cheese, like, I tell y'all a story. So I was at the hotel for the NFL Combine, right? And, you know, I mean, I had on like, you know, like, like sweatpants and, you know, saying like jacket and stuff like that. And I'm talking about like the sleaziest or the sleaziest, like want to be agent, like came up to me, man, I can do this for you. I can do like, dude, this, like, I'm like, dude, I don't even play football. Right. But trying to sell me into what he's actually doing. Now, these guys are probably getting this stuff all the time. And you're hearing this stuff all the time. You're getting frustrated. You know, like you're, you're seeing negative press about yourself, all these different things these dudes have to deal with. And I know it comes with the territory, but how many guys are going to like make the right decision all the time? It, it happens. It happens, folks. And like I said, I'm not trying to give these guys a get out of jail free card, but I, I can, you know, I understand to a certain extent. Now I don't understand why you want to beat a guy to, you know, within an inch of his life, but. We all know that we live in a world today where people are chasing clout. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, a, a, like a lawyer chasing an ambulance. You know what I'm saying? After a car crash. We know this, right? 
I mean, look what's going on with Mariah Mills right now. I mean, cloud chasing, right? You know, with Zion Williamson, right? I mean, everybody's talking about her. Oh, man, look, this girl crazy, man. Look how she crazy about Zion. She don't care how she get it. You got people out here that will, will look up football players, basketball players, athletes, celebrities, whereabouts, and go out there, try to pick a fighter, try to say something to heckle them in order for them to get hit in the face because they can get a couple of dollars. It just happens, man. So guys aren't going to make the best decisions. 20, 21-year-olds, I mean, have, did you make the best decisions when you were 20? I know I didn't, and I didn't have any money. And I still would make a dumb decision. It happens, folks. You know, I, I know we want these guys to be like, you know, holy and dial and, you know, and and have an application regular to join the Vatican. I, I don't know, but it, it, it just... You know, it's uh, it just don't happen that way. Guys are going to make mistakes. You just hope that they learn from. But I think Alvin, you know, learned from his mistake. You know, I think that, I think that uh, he'll be okay. Some guys never do. It's unfortunate, but we just got to hope that our favorite, one of our favorite players does, and it seemed like he has. Uh, Carr has one uh good coach. Uh, one good coach to Breeze had two, Marty and Sean. Yeah. I agree. I appreciate SOTS. You're doing a good job. It is so easy to listen to. I tried to listen to uh, AFN, and those guys are clowns. Uh, I enjoy it when uh, you made them uh, eat crow when we beat the Falcons. Uh, (laughs) Well, look, I I ain't got no problem with anybody, man, and and I understand how they feel. You know, you're a Falcon fan. You want your team to be successful. You you want them to win. Look, I get all that. I really do. Um, but I just try to be objective. You know, I try to be objective. I'm 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 a huge Saint fan. Anybody that knows knows me knows that to be true. But my whole objective is not to stick it to Falcons, Panthers, or Buccaneers fans. That's not my motive. You know, I crack a joke every now and then as as fun banter, but I mean, I'm not just going to sit up here and just say the Saints going to win everything because I don't like the Falcons. You know, if I feel like the Falcons have a better team or the Bucs have a better team, I, I'm going to pick them. But that, I don't make me any less. But some of those guys, they they have, or, or ladies, they have a, a, such a disdain for the rivals that it clouds their judgment. And they don't see, they don't see the forest, you know, you know through the trees, so to speak. Yeah, but hey, the late uh, comedian Robin Harris, it sure does change you. Bring on that money. Yeah, look, it, look, it's going to change you regardless, for better or for worse. You know, like when some people say money ain't going to change you. Yes, it will. Like there's very few people who accumulate a certain level of success, get a job, um, make a salary and they're going to move and stay right back, stay exactly where they came from. Just, just not going to happen. Or you, and if you do, you're not going to move the way that you once did. Like I used to go to Magnolia Stone, buy me a hot sausage on French. You know what I'm saying? And I'm probably going to continue to do that, but I'm not going to go there as consistently as I did because Magnolia was means to an end. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like they had the deals that, that fit my pocketbook at that particular time. 
You get what I'm saying? But it's like when you, you know, you find success, you make make money, you want to be in a better situation, you want to drive a better car, you want to be able to provide and give your, your kids the, a life that you ain't have. You want to be able to give your family a life that you that they never had. And yes, I mean it is gonna change. I ain't like it ain't gonna turn like some people it, it turns them into a full-fledged jerk. And then other people, you know, there, there's this arrogance that be about them, but they can kind of keep it in check enough for them to be able to deal with people. You know? Uh yeah, TJ, them young men gotta stay from uh them wild football groupies uh for real. Uh, NFL teams need to have players, uh counselors to try to they do have that. They have guys that come in. They they have guys that that come in that they have like you know these these stories where they lose everything, you know they have these uh, these players that try to prep some of these young guys, telling them about how you know people will come along to try to take things away from them. But once again, at the same time, you got to think about this. You know, think about going on that on that last field trip. Uh, you know, before the summer hit. It's always the best field trip in the world, right? I remember, like, going to Jazzland, you know, like, before it was Six Flags down there in New Orleans, you know, back in the day, it was Six, I mean, Jazzland. And I can remember, like, wanting to go to Jazzland so much, so excited, like, I couldn't even go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? Think about this. Like, you know for a fact that you're a top 15, top 20 NFL prospect, you're going to hear your name called in the first 20 names that are called. Think about the excitement. Think about like all the things that you want to do. Like, and think about the fact that these guys are young. They're young. Like, we want these guys to have like a level of maturity and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure it's going to come with the territory. But these dudes are young. They they they're going to make mistakes. See, we looking at it like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you starting to make money, so you're supposed to conduct yourself like this. Nah, come on, man. Look, you can take my son, Paxton. Paxton is four. I can take Paxton and put him in a tailor-made suit, right? Tailor-made, $1,200 suit, right? You know what I'm saying? Got from the best tailor. Guess what? If Paxton see a bunch of kids running, Right, he see a bunch of kids running, but you know he gonna run behind him. He gonna be the freshest kid around there, getting his little shirt dirty, pants dusty. You know what I'm saying? His his smooth boys dirty. You know, like he's a kid, and, and that's like me going back to him, man. Man, what you doing, man? Don't you know you got on a twelve hundred dollar tailor made suit? No, he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you know, like he doesn't recognize that. Twelve, what's twelve hundred dollars? Like if I give. If I was to give Paxton that money, he wouldn't know what to do with it. He'll be thinking it's little, little green paper. Like he understands money, but he doesn't understand it fully. The responsibility, like, yeah, you have this responsibility, but do they understand that fully? Probably not. It, it, it probably not. You know, so that's the way it goes sometimes, man. You know, like guys, you you have to learn your lesson. When when I was, you know, when I was around that age, I was doing all kind of crazy things. You know, I remember, you know, getting my visitation revoked uh, at Jackson State. That's another story for another day. But I was like 20 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, would I do something crazy like that now at 36? No. 
But it was funny, you know what I'm saying? Like, it is, but that's another story for another day. But all I'm saying is, age comes on a change. But at the same time, I mean, some of these guys have to learn from their mistakes. It's easy to be perfect when the world isn't uh, constantly watching you. Yeah, pretty much. The hot sides on French sound delicious. I haven't had one of those in ages. Yeah, I mean, been a while since I had one. I'm at the order. Me a bucket of high sausage. Uh, my older brother EJ watching this right now. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Uh, let's see. What up, TJ? Uh, been a while since I caught you live. Who they? Princess, thank you so much uh, for being here. And I really do appreciate that. Uh, when you're out with your peeps, have one guy of character on the peep team just to point out uh, the issues and uh, no more. Adults have to make adults' choices. Yeah, I mean, look, but once again, when all when I turned 21, right? When I turned 21, I ain't, you know, and I still had like a kid mentality. I ain't say, well, you know what? I'm 21, so it's time for me to stop just doing like I can say these things, but it it like it's so easy for you to jump back into the personality and the life that you had if you're not careful. You're not, you know, like it, it just that's just the truth. Like it, it just it can take one situation. Like it, like you got some guys that are repeat offenders, but you also have guys that one decision messed them up completely. You know, and you're you're going to have those moments. And I do agree. You you need some real friends around you. But here here here's the clincher. Here, here's here's what we need to understand. You can have good friends around you, right? These players, I'm pretty sure, have some good friends, but. Are you listening to them? Like, that's why I say when arrogance, you know, plays a huge role. I'm me. I'm making this amount of money. I'm this successful. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You get what I'm saying? Like, if you have that level of arrogance, there's nothing anybody can be able to tell you. That's why I say you you want money to change you, but not to a point where you feel like you're beyond reproach. Like, nobody can't tell you nothing. Right. That is when I feel like, you know, you just lost when and, and also you want to be you want to be able to be that friend that willing to lose by telling your your real friend something like some guys, they get nervous, probably because, man, if I tell them something, I ain't going to be able to go to the yacht party out there in Miami. I ain't going to be able to chill at the crib. Me. You know, like I, I look at myself as that friend that look, if I if that means our friendship is tainted because I'm telling you something that you need to hear and you don't want to hear it, then it is what it is. But you you cannot be so arrogant and full of yourself that when somebody is telling you the right thing as a friend, you not listen. So it, it goes just beyond just having a good peep team around you. You might have the best peep team, you might have the best. You know, people around you, but if you're not listening and being receptive to what they're saying, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to constantly see you on ESPN. Hey, TJ, our brains don't stop growing until 25. We need more wisdom and guidance in our younger years. Yeah. I mean, look, you need wisdom and guidance in your younger years, but you also need to be receptive of that knowledge. That's just like what I said, you know, it, it, it's the same thing, you know, like when I was talking about with Paxton, you know, I, I can put this suit on him, you know what I'm saying? But 
If he understand the significance of that suit, then it's a waste of time. And I just wasted money. You want to instill those certain principles inside of your children. What your parents instilled inside of you. You want to be able to take that with you. But the moment you don't become receptive or you don't allow those moments and those situations to be able to help you to be able to navigate through life, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. So think about that once again. And also, a person that you don't trust is telling you what life will be like when you have money. Now, it's different if you have an uncle who had money your entire life. You see the cars. You see the house. You see the cachet. You see, you, you see the marriage, right? You see all these different things. And that person telling you, hey, you know, when you get money, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. You brought, you're going to listen because that's somebody that you respect and idolize and looked up to. But what happens when you don't have anybody that can relate to what you're doing and what, how you're living right now, right? You're going to find yourself trying to figure out answers on your own. And unfortunately, you know, if you're not careful in applying, you know, I guess middle class, bottom of the barrel, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, struggle moments and, and certain principles that was instilled inside of you to get to the point where you're at. If you're not applying some of those to it, you might find yourself in certain situations. So it's a combination, man. Like it, it, it a person has to help you understand it and they can help you understand it, but you also have to apply it. Right. You know what I'm saying? We run in a race, right? And you know what I'm saying? We run in a relay and I pass the baton to you. You just stop. We not going to win the race, right? We don't win a race until I, well, I pass it to you and you got to start running, right? Till we get to the finish line. You know what I'm saying? You the last leg. So if I pass you that baton and you, you run, you got you to gotta hit that finish line. I give you that baton, you stop. We lost. Somebody give you that information. You got to be able to apply it. If you don't, then it's just a waste of time. TJ, I know this is a little off topic, but as a married man myself, I respect how you speak about your wife whenever you bring uh, her up uh, back to football. Look, man, shout out to my wife. Look, everybody know I love my wife. Um, if you don't, I do. You know, and I mean, football and what we talk about here on the podcast you know, I mean, kind of can go hand in hand, especially when we talk about situations like this, you know, life lessons. Like it is when you think about it, I know we look at these players as larger than life because of their salaries, because of their size, because of how they look, what they can do. But you take, you know, say it's the money and all that kind of stuff. They're people just like you and me. They deal with situations just like you and me. And it's not that hard for us to be able to relate to them if you think about it. And I just think that sometimes we we look at guys and be like, well, they should know better. Like, but think about this. Like, put yourself in that position. And I think we disconnect ourselves because we don't make as much money as those guys. And we we're not doing a job that people look at as, you know, extraordinary. Now, some of us have extraordinary jobs, and without us, you know, things can't go. 
But for the most part, when we look at these players, we we look at them and we put them in a different light, even for ourselves. But think about this. We live in a world with certain rules and bylaws, too. Why don't we break them? And we, it's not just the fact that, oh, I'm just a regular Joe Blow. No. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not that, right? There, there's certain bits of morality. Um, that there, there are certain things and principles that are still inside of us for us not to make those decisions. So it's the same way with these other guys. But what suppresses us? Just like how I'm talking about some of the things that your mom, your dad, your brother, your grandmother has instilled inside of you makes us not make those decisions. And some of us, we may not be multimillionaires, but we're in better situations than we are right now. And there are certain practices that we have to have in order for us to maintain the life that we have. Rather, it's your marriage. Rather, it's your keeping your job. Rather, it's paying a mortgage for your house. It's not, it's not that different when you think about it, folks. It's not. So when I look at play, like I, I used to be the same way, man, that's so crazy. That's so crazy. Now, if you're a repeat offender, then God bless you. But when guys that are young make certain mistakes, I'm not looking at them like, man, just throw them all, just throw them away. Because we've all made mistakes. And some of us made some mistakes that could have seriously put us in a position where we wouldn't be able to be watching this show or be able to comment in the chat. But what happens if somebody would have gave up on us? You get what I'm saying? So it's kind of different. I'm convinced that they got better, but I'm hoping they execute better. A lot of good teams. Yeah, look, we can't just be like, oh, look at the NFC. Kind of, you know, kind of mixed with a bunch of mediocre quarterbacks and just be like, hey, you know what? We're going to be all right. You know, like it's much more than that. You got to go out there and win. I'm not looking at pro football focus. As you know, as a deciding factor, I'm not looking at other analytics to be the deciding factor. You have to get it done. If you don't get it done, then you're going to end up finding yourself on the outside looking in. And some of these shows are going to be extremely interesting because they're not getting the job done. All right. I'm going to read a few more and then we're going to get up out of here. I know the show a little bit longer than usual, but haven't had a show in the last couple of days. So just wanted to give you all some uh, some quality talk here. And I know we we talked a little bit about Saints football and had some TED talk too. Uh, I'm still here watching uh, the show, TJ. This is a blessing. Well, thank you, man. It's a, it's, I'm blessed to have y'all here, you know, being able to talk about football and life as well. Uh, let me see. Uh, it says Antonio Brown must be crazy, but he ain't dumb. Uh, the coach told him to get the F out, so he did just that. He had an injury and he didn't want to play. Yeah, I mean, look, there are other ways that you can go around that. I think it's a mix of his his him want to be the center of attention, and you know, what I'm saying being able to, you know, be able to do it. Like this not happening if Antonio Brown didn't get no contract, right? So a lot of these guys deal with a lot of stuff. They grin and bear it until they get paid and then they feel like they can call the shots themselves and sometimes you get you know i guess that's probably where he was at but you know sometimes you got to choose your battles sometimes you got to realize what you're losing and if you feel like it's worth losing then you know i say go ahead and
Yeah, I say go ahead and do it, you know, at the end of the day. So if you're, you know, if you feel like it's worth it, you know, but you got to also realize the backlash. You know, you also got to realize the backlash as well. Uh, show the football maturity in these games this season. Yeah, I, man, I, I think they're going to I think the Saints are going to be OK. Look, the question of the day was, are you convinced that the Saints have gotten better? I think that everybody would agree that, yes, they have gotten better. It's not about that to me. OK, this is my final thought. And thank you all for being here. I ask that you all hit the like button if you enjoyed the show, if you enjoyed the content. If you want to see the State of the Saints podcast grow, please hit that like button. All right. The question was, have they gotten better? Everybody pretty much said yes. That is not that is not the point. The point is you have to be able to get it done. You have to consistently win football games and you got to get out of your own way. The injuries that have plagued this team over the last couple of years has been tough for this team to overcome. The quarterback transition from Breeze and then you have Jameis and Jameis got hurt and Taysom, Taysom got hurt. And you got Trevor Simeon up in there. You got Andy Dalton. Need a stability there. The Saints feel like they got it. You're doing all the things that need to be done in order for you to be able to grow as a team, to be able to get over the hump as a team. But we all know that it's, it's much deeper than that. You got to stay healthy. Guys have to get better. The development of the team has to grow, right? The chemistry between a wide receiver and quarterback, the offensive line and running game, the offensive line in general, because it's been plug and play across the line all together. Those things have got to come together in order for the Saints to find success in 2023. If we're just talking about players and we're looking at a depth chart, we got something. But we all know that a season can be won and lost by a few bad breaks, literally and figuratively. And uh, hopefully the Saints can be able to bounce back and be able to build on this momentum. You know, I, I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I'm excited to see what's going to happen as we uh, look forward to training camp. Let's just hope that everything falls into place. I'm pretty sure that it will, as long as everybody can be on one accord and they can win the battle of attrition. All right. Somebody said, I'll tell you the battle of nutrition, um, which, you know, <laughs> the battle of attrition, they got to be able to win that. Right. So let's get it done. But thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. No, it's a little bit longer than usual. But uh, like I said, I just want to be able to uh, give you all a, a show. I haven't done one in like three days. Shouts out to everybody that donated to the show. I appreciate that. Um, also, thank you to everybody that commented. Uh, thank you as well. Um, hopefully, if you're new, hopefully we won you over. Um, this is an interactive Saints podcast. Uh, we very passionate about uh, the New Orleans Saints, as well as the NFL in general. Not only do we talk about the, the Saints, we might, you know, start talking about other things as well. But it's very interactive. And uh, if this is your first time, thank you so much. I ask that you subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. If you enjoyed the content, we got previous episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. And also uh, you can check me out on Twitter, uh, T-J-A-Y Jones 8. Special shout out to the Belly Up Media Network. Make sure you follow them at Belly Up Media. And uh, once again, thank you all so much for being here. And uh, till next time, all I got to say is, who that?
these tears for you. It's all dog around this mug. I'm good.